Hello, and welcome to Crazy Making. I'm Simon Adam, host of Crazy Making. Today's episode marks the fourth episode of a series on child and youth mental health. I speak with Cindy Jang, a doctoral student at York University in Critical Disability Studies. Welcome, Cindy. Hello, Simon. Thanks for appearing on the show. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Not too bad. Can't complain. Well, I, I can complain. I can always complain, but I probably shouldn't. Um, Cindy, I, um, I want to start by asking you um, what you're up to these days, what your academic work is, what your academic endeavors are, where they're taking you these days. What are you up to? Um, aside from moving back to uh, beautiful BC from Toronto, which has taken a little bit of time outside of my studies, um, I'm working on a mental health research project looking at the experiences of mental health um, with young adults, racialized young adults here in Canada. And I'm also working on my comprehensive exams to continue uh, my doctoral work. Okay, so tell us a little bit about that first project that you mentioned. So it's really interesting and I'm very lucky to be a part of it. Um, there is this set of mental health curriculum on this website called Madness Canada, uh, where it teaches potential uh, young professionals uh, mental health. Uh, and so one of the amazing things about this curriculum is that it's survivor led um, and it's from people that came out of Canada's deinstitutionalization period. And so we have some amazing firsthand artifacts um, from this history of, of, from this period in Canada. Uh, one of the weaknesses in, in this curriculum is that it's primarily white-based um, and it's now houses voices of those who are now in their 70s and 80s. And so um, we got a research grant to essentially diversify and to racialize these voices. And so now I'm working with young adults uh, between the ages of 18 to 30 and talking to them about their experiences of mental illness. Um, the adults that I'm working with are all self-identified um, mad artists, which means that they've all uh, in some form another identify as being um, with experiences of mental health. And so looking at how the process of their art facilitates their mental health. Okay, so uh, you're working with um, racialized young people or youth. Why is it important to include their perspective? Because Canada isn't white. Canada isn't all white. Um, we have, for example, um, almost one fifth of Canada can self-identifies as um, part of an Asian population. And so that's a huge part of our Canadian demographics and it's very important to include different voices when we're talking about mental health because the understanding of mental health and the stigma of mental health manifests differently depending on one's social position, location, and their intersections. Mm -hmm. Indeed. And, and um, what are you finding so far? What are some preliminary findings if you can talk to us about them? Oh, it's absolutely fascinating. Um, so we have roughly 15 uh, mad artists at this point. Everyone was recruited outside of our biomedical system, which means that all of these artists are truly self-identified. We didn't have to go through health service providers to uh, connect with them. And 
some of the findings so far and of, across the, the people that we've interviewed unanimously um, and from, from the ones that I've had, everyone has talked about how influential high school counselors have been in terms to their mental health and that at least four of them were talking about how their counselors, primarily white counselors, had asked them, have you talked and had a sit down conversation with your parents about mental health? And almost all of the um, participants that I've interviewed said, really, you're gonna ask me as a racialized person to see whether or not I've sat down with my parents to talk about my mental health? Who are you? Like, and so that was their first foray into seeking mental health um, support and how that's really impacted their views of who and how they seek help. Interesting. I'm, I'm being reminded now, as you say that, uh, of a guest I interviewed on this show previously, Sherry Taylor, who is working with young people with a diagnosis of mental illness and looking at how their identity forms in the context of psychiatric diagnosis. So I could see uh, interesting points of connection there. Yes. The other really interesting point is that not everyone that we are working with has a formal diagnosis, which is very um, anti-psychiatry because they we don't they don't need a diagnosis um, to have mental health and it's been interesting because these people have not sought a diagnosis because of the stigma of the diagnosis in it of itself but also the difficulty in being able to communicate this diagnosis with their family because of how stigma manifests and or the, the difference in support that they would be getting and so um, I can think of at least three of them where um, no formal diagnosis has been sought, even though their experiences of mental health have, are very much there, very much valid. And so it's been interesting being able to capture these participants outside of the biomedical system because they, we, we never would have gotten them had we gone through health service providers because they would never actually uptake those services. Okay, that's very interesting, Cindy, because right now... Uh, that is, uh, it's uh, making me think of a, another research study that I'm involved in looking at postpartum depression. And we're looking to uh, interview women who have had the diagnosis, but have had some skepticism uh, around the diagnosis or sort of um, resistance to it or a rejection of it. But we're getting people interested who struggle postpartum, but have actually avoided the psychiatric system, therefore have not been officially diagnosed and have effectively resisted being diagnosed and being labeled. Um, and so we had to redesign the study to actually capture these women because they have a very important narrative to share with us, kind of like what you were talking about. Very interesting. So, okay, so then, and then you, you also talked about uh, you're preparing to do your comp. Can you just explain for the listener who may not be um, familiar with the idea of a comp and what it means as a milestone for a PhD project, what that is and, and what you're doing for your comp? So uh, comprehensive, comprehensive exams or comps uh, in a doctoral program are essentially the different examinations that you need to pass to continue to do your PhD. Um, and so it is having a, I guess, a solid or under, a solid understanding of the different topics within your uh, specialized field. So you are able to then continue on and conduct the research that you would like to do. 
Mm -hmm. And your specialized field is? In critical disability studies, um, primarily focused on racialized populations. A lot of my work uh, in the past has been on disability and disclosure in the workplace. And very recently, it's morphing into mental health and the arts. Okay, so Cindy, you've got, you've talked about youth, mental health, the arts, uh, racialized uh, young people. Um, what, all of this, what brought you into all of this work? Well, in terms of the arts, I've been involved in the arts industry uh, here in BC since I was a teenager. And so uh, outside of academia and being in books and research, uh, I actually freelance doing event management for arts festivals and electronic dance uh, music festivals here in BC. Um, and so the arts really nourishes my soul. So I'm not surprised that I've actually like come back around to the arts. Um, and then in terms of mental health and disability, most of it is from a lived experience. Um, for the listeners here, I am an East Asian woman who is in her thirties uh, with invisible disabilities. And so this would be both mental health um, in terms of depression and anxiety, as well as cognitive um, with an audio processing disability. And so through my lived experience, um, I've seen and I've encountered quite a few barriers along my way. And I've had amazing mentors and support where I've been able to get to a doctoral level and not everyone has that platform to be able to do that. And so a lot of my work um, is from my experiences of disability and mental health and that the experiences that I, I've had doesn't need to happen. Like we can change that. And a lot of it is um, social and structured based. And um, you, you know, in the last 20 years, that I've been doing this work and been with these diagnoses and, and these experiences, we've come leaps and bounds, um, but we still have a lot more work to do. So uh, I decided to enter into a doctoral program to do this work for better or worse. All right. So is it, uh, are you able to share an example of such a barrier that you might've experienced, Cindy? Um, Yes. And so uh, I understand that my disability is invisible. And so I've had folks in my past in terms of the disability side say, oh, well, I don't look like a person with a disability or I've overcome uh, my disability, which really what does a person with a disability look like? Mm -hmm. And is there such thing as overcoming? Because then that puts me into a place of of like inspiration or a pedestal, and that's not the point. Um, we all have different coping strategies in, in the ways in which we work and manage our disability and mental health. And it's not necessarily an overcoming because I will have these disabilities for the rest of my life. Um, and then in terms of disability and racialization, in terms of those intersections, um, I've also had comments or discussions well that of course I would be doing my doctoral work because I'm a, I'm um, Asian and I value education and not even putting on the the disability part is like and not recognizing that it's not about racialization or the disability but it's about me as a person trying to do this work. So, right, and um, Cindy, if you had one, if you had a critique of psychiatry or a bone to pick with biomedical psychiatry, what would it be? 
but it's primarily white and very white focused. I have been a consumer and a, and a user of our psychiatric system for quite some time now. And the understandings of psychiatry outside of, um, outside of whiteness is very limited. Uh, and the cultural understandings of, of different groups is very limited. And we're really siphoned into this uh, very Eurocentric Western dominant model that is not the only model. And it's not the only way for wellness. There are many other ways in which we can look at health and wellness that does not include uh, labels, that does not include drugs, and that include more holistic, um, I guess more holistic avenues that, for example, that includes the arts. Uh, yeah, there's definitely a, a long history of analysis looking at psychiatry being um, not only just white centric, but actually downright racist, ableist, sexist, so, um, heterosexist, homophobic, and so on. You see it, you see it uh, in the various renditions of the DSM and the development of the discourse, um, which has brought us to DSM-5 today, which still remains rather sexist, white, heteronormative, and so on and so on. Yes. Um, like, what, like let, what is mental health and what is that spectrum and what does that look like for other populations outside of this Western hegemonic like idea. Um, I know in like my East Asian or Chinese um, background, mental health is, is very different. We, the term for mental health is actually um, in Chinese is some like in home, which is the matters of the heart uh, is that translation for mental health and being able to talk about mental health, um, for example, with my parents is very couched around um, what is good for, for the family, what is good for, for me. And it's very collective, it's very collective in terms of the family decision-making. Um, and like the term stigma barely exists. Like the, the closest thing that we have to stigma in, in uh, Cantonese is essentially tarnishing one's name or one's surname. And so having that, that understanding from psychiatry that some of these words might not exist in other languages and then to be able to work around that to for others to have that understand for for the psychiatrists or psychiatry to have that understanding to then be able to have a different form of education for people interesting matters of the heart very different than what western psychiatry would would have you know matters of the mind matters of the brain uh interesting Cindy, I, if you were um, to be having a conversation with a young person, a youth uh, who may be struggling with mental health issues, what would you say to them? What words of wisdom or advice would you have for them? Very interesting, Ailey. I've had quite a few discussions with youth very um, in this last few weeks, mm -hmm. and I have told most of them that it's okay not to be a real adult. There have been conversations of like, I'm going to be able to figure out my food, figure out my schedule, figure out what I want to do with my life. And I have told them as somebody with um, mental health issues, um, who is on medication, as well as with a disability, that being an adult is what you want and what you choose it to be. And that there's no set formula or, or structure. And that 
you know what, for the rest of your adult life, you will be thinking about what you're going to be making for dinner. And that's okay. Uh, or you'll be thinking about when you're going to be cleaning up the house. These are not chores or tasks that you will miraculously finish or be able to do without motivation. As an adult, they will be there and they will always be there. And it's okay if you choose not to do them because as an adult, you have that choice. Yeah. Thanks, Cindy. And uh, thank you for joining me on Crazy Making and best of luck with your PhD. Thank you, Simon. It was lovely to, to chat with you. And thank you very much for having me. Subscribe and listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Reach out to us by email at crazymaking at yourq.ca. That's crazymaking at yorku.ca. And follow us on Instagram at crazymakingpodcast. This podcast is written and hosted by me, Simon Adam, and edited by Among Antariksh Sagar. Thanks for listening.